praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, good reports from Fretwell this morning. Brother Corey said they had four or five come forward to get saved this morning. Hallelujah. And, and God's still moving. He said, Brother Eddie, that probably means he's going to want you to come back up here tomorrow night. I said, well, we'll see. If she does, you pray for my voice and God will help me. I'll tell you right now, my voice needs rest. We're going to preach tonight out of Mark chapter 13, verse number 31. That's where we'll begin reading. Mark 13, verse 31. I did want to ask you to remember, Brother David, uh, when you pray, he had surgery minor surgery on Friday and he is laid up recuperating I asked him you walking you walking soft he said I ain't walking at all <laughs> he said don't even want me to walk till Monday so and I think you don't want him to lift anything for, uh, for two weeks when you're a block mason that's, that's hard to comply with but uh, be praying that God will just give him a speed of recovery. Help him to heal quick. Mark chapter 13, beginning with verse number 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray. For ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch you therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. What I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. I want to use verse 34. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, is as a man taking a far journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, commanded the porter to watch. I'm going to preach to you out of that verse on things that Christ left behind. Things that Christ left behind. Son of man is as a far journey, take, or is as a man taking a far journey who left his house. Things that Christ left behind. Father, we ask you tonight that you'll touch us, help us, enable us to preach. God, you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. God, that you'll minister to meet every need. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done this morning around the altar. I'm sure that you help people, Lord. And I'm sure that you're going to touch us and help us around here again tonight. God, we ask it in Christ's name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. So good to see Sister Deanna in service with us tonight. It's good having Aunt Mert this morning again tonight. First thing in our text that it mentions that the Son of Man left when he took a far journey, and you understand, 
Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. He has ascended back to the Father. And that is the far journey. When he did, the Bible said that he left us some things. And the first thing that our text mentions that the Lord left us was his house. The Lord left unto us his house. A man taking a far journey who left his house. And the Bible has a lot to say about the house of God. In leaving behind his house, he left his house in the care of the church. We are stewards of the house of God. And we should be careful how we keep it. I'm always amazed, not just because I'm a preacher, because I was a Christian before I was ever a preacher. And the only reason I feel like I am a preacher is because years ago, I, I felt, I, I said the same thing to God that Sister Tammy said, I, I don't have gifts to give Lord, my grandpa can play the guitar. Ain't Thelma played the piano. I mean, there's several in our family that played and sang, and I just told the Lord, I, I don't, I don't feel like I have much to give or much to offer. And but I said, Lord, one thing that I can give you is just give you me. I'll be here. Right. I'll be available yes. if. If they need the bathrooms clean, then I'll clean the bathroom. If they, if they need the sanctuary vacuum or the fellowship hall vacuum or mopped or whatever, then I, I'll do whatever I can do. I'll just make myself available. And I'll tell you, if every time God looks up, you're there. If every time God needs somebody as a volunteer and your hand is raised, then guess what? God's going to anoint you to do something. You may not have anything to give, but he'll stir it up and create it in you. He'll gift you with whatever he needs you to give. And we're stewards of his house. There's so many needs in the house of God, but I've always been amazed at how nonchalantly, how carelessly, and how matter-of-fact sometimes we treat the Lord's house. In Psalms 122 and verse 1 it says I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord let us go into the house of the Lord if you don't value or treasure the house of the Lord then let me just remind you should it be taken from us should it not be here, what dire straits we might find ourselves in. This is a place where two or three of us gather together in his name. There will I be in your midst. I know he'll meet with us anywhere. But there's something special. Not because I said so, but because God decreed it. That when people come together in the name of the Lord, a special tangible, powerful presence of God will abide in that house. I want you to know, I thank God. This I'm on my I'm on my third church. 
hopefully, prayerfully, my last. Amen. I was telling the brother that came this morning, uh, Cleveland. I was telling him, he was telling me that he and his wife attend a church in Atmore, but they're in the process of maybe leaving there and finding a new church. And he was with us at Sister Helen's on Friday night, was here this morning. And I said, I feel you, brother. It's a painful, it's a painful thing to unplug out of a church body and have to find another one. I said, the first time I ever changed churches as a born-again believer was when we left Fort Slate from being a, a worship leader, youth leader, Sunday school teacher, and just really plugged in. It was awful to stand up there and to everybody to, you know, tell us goodbye to all them young people that was in my Sunday school class and in our in our youth group, came by and sobbed hugged our neck and told us how bad they were going to miss us. It was awful. I wouldn't ever want to do that again. <laughs> and then when we resigned Somerdale, it was absolutely awful to tell people that got saved under you, that come up under you, that was blessed under your ministry, to tell them that the Lord was moving you out. It, it was, I remember that night probably like nobody else does. I got up. I always wear a tie. I was so depleted that I was leaving. I didn't wear a tie that night. I just got up with my coat on, no tie. I was just going to read a text and resign and leave. I didn't have any heart much to even preach. I was broken hearted. One of the ladies in the church said, I walked up on the plaza. A lot of times I'd leave the office and come onto the platform straight on the platform through a side door. She said, I seen you come on that platform with no tie on. She said, oh my God, he don't have a tie on. He's fixing to leave us. And I said, oh. I, but probably more obvious on my face. And I got up and that night and I read my text and I just resigned. I remember one of the ladies in the church got up and screamed at the top of her lungs. No. Burst out the door. Her husband went out right behind her. They were both crying. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it after that. I put my head down and I started crying. I didn't know how I was going to get it together. How I was going to even function or do or say anything else. And uh, Brother Jonathan Wells, uh, if it wouldn't been for him, it would have been awful. He, he took charge and got up and took the mic from me. Ask the church to gather around me and pray God's blessing over my life. I just couldn't function. It's awful. And so I just pray I never have to do that again. I pray that uh, the next time is, is when I'm retiring as an old, old man and Brother Corey's taking my place and I just transition from the pulpit to sit on the front row and holler at him while he preaches. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I, I want to tell you, the house of God has been my life. Yeah. Even as a child, my upbringing, with my heritage, it was a big part of my life, even if I didn't want it to be. But since I've been born again, it has been the major rock 
in my life. I, I can't tell you the number of times that God met me in the house of God. One particular time on the job, I've told the story before, I'm not going to tell it again, but I just needed a miracle on the job. A man I'd supposed to collect a COD on the job, the last driver, he shorted me about $300 in the middle of Pritchard. He said, that's right, ain't it? I said, I'll take your word for it. I got the money out of his hand, jumped in the truck, and got out of there. I got back to the plant. It's $300 short. And I said, oh. I called the office and told him, I said, you go back to that job so I can get that money. I went back. He was gone. And so they said, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it Monday morning. Well, I had that laying on me, and I knew. I said, that, that dispatcher, my office, all them other drivers think that I stole $300 out of that CLD. That's exactly what all them other truck drivers thought. They said, man, the preacher ain't been here two months. That stole him some COD cash. And uh, they've had so-called preachers in the past that were womanizers, cussers, just charlatans is what I'd call them. I said, God, your name and reputation is at stake. I don't care what they think about me God, it bothers me that I'm a preacher of the gospel and that they think that that's all a preacher is. It's just somebody who's money hungry and who will lie and cheat and steal. They were worshiping on the platform, singing. I was tore up. I come up to the front, just laid over the steps and began to weep and cry. The Holy Ghost fell that day. I got up, Brother Tim said, what's wrong, Brother Eddie? I said, I got trouble on the job. The man stole money out of the COD, and I'm accused of stealing. I said, Monday morning, I may lose my job over it, but I don't even care. I said, I, I, I need them to know that I didn't steal that and that I'm, I'm a true Christian. I, that's all I need them to know. And he got the church to gather around me, and they prayed over me. When I got there Monday morning, my plant manager said, got in touch with the owner of the contractor, uh, the, the, the owner of that uh, company that was pouring the, the concrete, the driveway, he said, he's coming up here this morning. He wants to hear what, what you got to say. And every, all the other drivers down the break room was like, ooh, you know, Rev's going to get the can today. And uh, anyway, he pulled up. All the guys knew him. It's a well-known contractor. He pulled up, up the stairs he went. And said, All right, Sullivan, come on up. I went up. They were like, been nice knowing you, Rev. I went up and I was praying the whole way. And he said, tell me what happened. I told him what happened. He said, well, he said, I talked to the woman that we poured for. She counted that money out three times to him, gave him the exact amount in his hand. And he said uh, all he had to do was take it out of her hand and put it in your hand. The fact that he counted and messed up two or three times counting and then looked at you with money in his hand and said, that's right, ain't it? He said, I know my supervisor 
He said, he's a drunk, and he's a cheat, and he's a liar. He said, the fact that he took it out of her hand, knowing it was the right amount, and, and, and tried to mess up the count three times and then ask you, was that right? He said, I believe you stole your son. I believe he stole that money from you, and I believe he went out and, and pulled a drunk all weekend on He said, I just want to ask you one thing. Count the money out yourself from now on on one of my jobs, and don't take my guy's word for it. He said, I'm going to pay the rest of it because I know he stole it from you. He said, just don't let it happen again. I said, no, sir, it won't ever happen again. So he paid the rest of the money. My plant manager looked at me with eyes that big around. He said, I am not believing what I have just seen. He said, there ain't no way that, that he ditched his own guy and believed you over this sin of He said, you got to be a man of God. I started weeping. I said, I've cried over this for two days. I prayed over it. My church prayed over it. And I said, God spoke to that owner's heart. Yes, Told him what happened. He paid the rest of that money. I went downstairs and all the rest of those truck drivers said, well, what happened? I said, he believed me. He paid the $300. This one guy stood up. I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. He said, that's a man of God. Lightning's going to strike me for the way I... The way I've been putting off on that preacher, he said, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, miracle after miracle after miracle. Where did God help me at? Where did God meet me at? I'll tell you where he met me. In the house of God. Surrounded by men and women of God. God met me. Where did God save me at? In the house of God. Where is God? Where did God fill me at in the house of God? Where did God deal with my heart numerous times that led to me being called to preach in the house of God? This very, this very place right here, this building, God spoke to me in a prayer meeting, said I'm going to show you the place and give you people to help. But I, I want you to start a church. This place is here. We, we deemed it to be the the house of God. It was a lamp factory before. Before it was a house of God. Just, just a place of business. Just an empty metal warehouse. And we come in and threw sheetrock up and blacked out the ceiling and hung lights and everything else. Uh, but it's the presence of God that made it the house of God. Amen. Amen. Before that, it was just a common place. But now, it's a hallowed place. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He said in Psalm 23 and 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. When there is no more tabernacle, amen, that Jesus is going to be the tabernacle thereof in heaven he, the, the Bible said it'll be the equivalent uh, of living in the house of God. It, uh, heaven's going to be Sunday forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Heaven's going to be 
the best camp meeting we ever had, time 10 million. Amen. It's going to be uh, one black minister said it'll be forever Sunday. Amen. Psalms 84 and 10, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. It just seems like a common theme in the word of God that the house of God should be our priority and that the house of God should make us glad. In Psalm 93 and 5, thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. That's why I've always said, this is not a bingo hall. This is not a, this is not a, a, a dance studio. I understand in weddings and in marriages, I, I've been the bad guy through the years. I say, look, th this very place is hallowed. It's not a wedding chapel. This is the house of yeah. God. I, I got problems, uh, you know, with uh, 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 a funeral. I've been to funerals where they said, I want to play this. And I said, if you play that, uh, you better carry a, you know, a, cassette player to the graveside play it at the graveside because it ain't being played in the church. It's not. What, what do you mean? I, I kid you not. I did a wedding. I made them play it at the graveside. I was a bad guy. There were some family members very hurt at me, very upset. I, I won't, I'm, I'm going to sit right here on the end of this pier and drink a beer. I thought to myself, are you crazy? Do you think I'm going to let you play that in that sanctuary? A million times no. Absolutely not. He might have wanted to. That might have been his last dying request was to sit on a pier and drink a beer. But I preached the gospel at the funeral. I gave sinners an opportunity to pray about their eternal destination and be born again. And whether he wanted to drink a beer or not, I'm sorry. That ain't going to be played in the house of God. Why? Because this place is God's house. I wouldn't let people come in my house and do things that I don't approve of. And I'm not going to let people come in God's house and do things that God would not approve of. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 17, and he taught, saying unto them, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. If we allow God's glory to be stolen away, and this becomes a house of entertainment instead of a house of prayer, then we've robbed God of his glory. It's become a den of thieves. But never let it be said of the house of God. In Luke 24 and 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them. He was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I know we get the idea they were in the upper room for 10 days and they just sat there 
and, you know, patted their foot on the ground and looked at their Timex and said, come on already. When is this Holy Ghost going to come? That's not at all what they were doing. They were in the upper room when it fell. It says they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. You know, the, the upper room was just uh, somewhere in between the house of God because that is where they were, waiting continually. And how were they waiting continually? By praising and blessing God. And I've always said, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, he comes on the wings of praise. You don't get filled just standing there with your hands in your pocket. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, lift your hands, raise your voice, wave your arms, kick your leg, climb the sycamore tree, rip the roof off. I mean, do something. Praise and bless God continually. How did Bartimaeus get healed? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. How did Zacchaeus uh, get saved? He climbed the tallest tree he could find and made himself visible. How do believers get filled? Uh, by praising and blessing God continually. They were there every day. You don't want to know the ones that got filled? Uh, the ones that were there. And everybody who wasn't there just heard about the ones uh, that got filled. house of God is a priority where scripture is concerned. In Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. If you believe Jesus is coming, oh, the house of God is so much the more important in your life. In Revelation 25, 1 and 22, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Do you know what this house is symbolic of? The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Amen. That's what it's symbolic of. Let me move on. The second thing that he mentions, the Son of Man would leave unto us while on his far journey. He left unto them his house and he gave unto them authority. You've been left authority. You are not the devil's doormat. Hallelujah. I said you are not the devil's doormat. You are the bride of Christ. You know the bride was taken from Adam's rib from his side. That's where a bride belongs, at the side. These two are one. She was not taken from a bone in his foot. He is not to walk on her. She is not his doormat. She was taken from his side to be one with him, to be his equal. And when he is gone, everything that is his becomes hers. And it don't even have to wait till he's gone. While he's alive, everything that's his is hers, <laughs> including his name. 
his authority, his influence, his reach, his power. It's all hers. Amen. That's what has been given to us. He left unto us his authority. And the word authority there in that text, in the Greek, is the Greek word exousia. And it means authoritative power. What it, what it really means is delegated influence, delegated authority, jurisdiction, delegated power authority. Exousia is best known by, by a magistrate, by a judge, or by law enforcement officers. They have delegated power of the state. A judge in the state of Alabama is backed by the laws of the state of Alabama. A federal judge is backed by the laws that are within the Constitution of the United States of America. When he pronounces you guilty or declares you to be innocent, he is backed by the whole state or the whole country. When an officer of a state, of a city, of the county, of the state pulls you over. When you see the blue lights, he's saying, that's my authority to stop you. You better pull over. You've got all kind of goofball bozos today that feel like they don't have to comply. They are above the law. And about 90% of them wind up dead. Just like you will if you feel like you're above God's law. Because the wages of sin is death. And, and the devil and the Antichrist stand for lawlessness. But he said, I'm giving to you my delegated authority, my delegated power. You, as the church, are going to enforce my law in the earth. Not to... Hey, we're not the bad guys here. The devil is. He said, you are going to enforce. That is delegated authority. In Luke 10 and 17, the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you Power. The word power there is the Greek word exousia. Yeah. Behold, I give unto you authority, delegated authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions. Over all the power, that's exousia, of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Exousia is not the same as dunamis. The other word for power in the New Testament is the word dunamis. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. The word power there is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. Internal power. Explosive power that will disrupt and change everything that is around you. But exousia is delegated power. That's the blue lights in your rear view mirror. Amen, saying, halt in the name of the law. And whoever you say that to has to comply if they know what's good for them. Amen, that, he said, I'm giving you exousia over the devil, 
over all the power of the devil. And when you, uh, when, when you come in my name, whatever you command him, he has to do it uh, in the name of the Lord. The Bible says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He said, in my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. That's exousia. In Mark 16 and 15, he said unto them, go into all the world, preach the gospel. To every creature. Romans 1 and 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. The word power there is exousia. So there you have it. There's your authoritative power. There's the delegated power of God. You stand on his promise. You stand on his word. In the name of Jesus. And according to the scripture. Devil's got to go. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. What is God's answer to lawlessness? The lawlessness of our generation, the lawlessness of the left. There's a crime wave in America because of lawlessness. Uh, uh, district attorneys that will not enforce the law. Law enforcement officer says we can put them in jail for a felony and before the day is out, they're back on the street uh, with a gun in somebody else's face committing the same crime. That's what the, the mayor said was happening in New York. That's after he praised the district attorney that took office and said he would not enforce crime because it was an unjust system. The lawlessness of the left is an antichrist system. And what did God say? We should combat lawlessness with, with the law of God Almighty. Preach the word. I had people unfriend me. Colored people that I call brother and sister, unfriend me, say ugly things about me. Because I said black ministers are missing their opportunity to reach young black men and women when they join forces with an antichrist agenda like Black Lives Matter and push that rather than preach the gospel. No political body is going to stop or change racism crime rate, uh, discrimination, or anything else. If you preach the gospel, it will reform the hearer, the listener. It'll fill them with the Spirit of God. Their life will produce the fruits of the Spirit. Against such there is no law. 
and they will become peacemakers in their own community. Amen. Third thing he mentions. See, so left unto them his house and gave unto them authority and commanded every man to work. Amen. Commanded every man or unto every man he gave his work. John 14 and 12, verily, or truly I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. While we're here, while we're alive as Christians, waiting on the return of the Lord, it is our priority, the, the house of God, to be filled with the Spirit of God and the Word of God which gives us the authority of God and then also to do the work of God. God's work won't do itself. God's work depends on us and our faithfulness. We're stewards of the house of God. We're stewards of the Word of God and we're stewards of the work of God. I want to tell you, Preaching don't just happen. Men have to preach. Praying doesn't just automatically happen. Men and women have to pray. Work doesn't just happen. We have to roll our sleeves up and we have to do the work of God. Some of the work of God, love, love your enemy. Do good to them that speak all manner of evil against you falsely for his name's sake. He said, uh, what reward have you if you love them that love you or you do good to them that only do good to you? He said, Pharisees and hypocrites can do that. The work of God is to manifest the love of God to those that are unlovable. To reach for those uh, that won't reach back. To try to help those uh, that won't help themselves. That's the work of God. So jails, rehabs, street corners, job sites, and family get-togethers become construction sites. They become work sites for the kingdom of God. You are witnesses unto him in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, in the hospital, in Walmart, in a restaurant. That's your work field. That's your labor field. You are the workforce of God Almighty. It doesn't happen. You have to be mindful about it. You have to pray for open doors. You have to ask God for personal encounters. You have to pray for wisdom of what to say. And some things don't need to be said. You know, if you say the wrong thing, you run somebody off and hinder the work of God. <laughs> you need to know that. There's some things that don't need to be said, and there's some things that shouldn't be said. There's some times when you need the Holy Ghost to put his hand. That's right. Hmm. 
There's a lot of times I want to say it or die. The Lord knows I don't need to say it. He might be dealing with them, and if I say something to him, I mess it all up. You don't know what you don't know what mama or what daddy or what grandparent has prayed and sobbed and wept and fasted over them. I'm supposed to be the answer, not the problem. I'm supposed to be the arm of Christ that corrals them, not pushes them out the door. <laughs> Woo! I could give some real lesson time on this. I don't want to be too sharp or too pointed with it, but I'm just saying everything that the church is involved in is the work of God. This is not just a place where we speak our mind. We're ministers. We're laborers in the harvest. You know when they heart when they were sent out to harvest, those men knew good and well. That's wheat and that's a tear. That's wheat and that's a tear. And that's wheat and that's a tear. And that's wheat and that's a tear. Lord, what do you want us to do? You want us to root out all them tears out of your church because we know that ain't right. He said, don't you do that unless you damage my wheat. He said, you just harvest it all in and I'll do the separating. I'll do the separating. Ain't nobody that ain't born again getting in. You think there's going to be people that don't come to this church and I love them with all my heart. I embrace them. I make them to feel, feel welcome and I make them one with us. It don't mean they got a bought ticket into heaven, but there ain't no crime in loving people. The easiest thing you'll ever do is be kind to somebody. It's to love on them, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel wanted. Know them that labor among you. Don't lay hands uh, suddenly on no man. Don't, don't uh, lay hands or appoint a novice into an office of leadership. I get all that. But it's easy to love people. I'm not going to put somebody in ministry that don't line up with Scripture. Right. I tell people, look, it don't matter what they look like. It don't even matter what they are if they're lost. If they're mean as a rattlesnake. Don't you want them to hear what you heard this morning? Don't you want them to feel the power and the glory of God Almighty when it comes down and blesses the saints of God? Wouldn't you like some of that to pour off of you and get on them? They're in the right place. This is the place where they're going to get help. And if anywhere in the whole world they ought to feel loved, it ought to be in the house of God. Amen. Work doesn't mean it's easy. Brother Daniel said if it was easy, women and children would be doing it. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Ain't that right, brother? He just grinned like, don't give away all my sayings up there now. <laughs> if it was easy, women and children would be doing it. But sometimes the work of God is hard. Hard sometimes not to speak your mind. He said, speak only words that edify. Amen. Woo! 
my God. Move on, Brother Eddie. Move on. We get it. Number four. The last thing he mentions. He said he commanded the porter to watch. He commanded the porter to watch. The porters were they that kept the house or watched over the house. Most of them were on a wall or in a gate or in the door. And they kept watch at night. Commanded the porter to watch. Don't you go to sleep on God when he's about to come back. Amen. Don't you fall asleep at your post knowing the Lord is about to come back. He commanded the porter to watch. It means to give strict attention to, to be cautious, to be actively looking and watching. Watch for what? He said, for you don't know in what day or in what hour That's right. the Son of Man will come. He said, watch lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping. Porters had the night watch. We live in a sleepy, sleepy, sleepy time. When most people are asleep spiritually, he commanded us this last thing. It's the last thing I'm leaving you with. Don't go to sleep. Stay awake, stay sober, stay alert, and watch because the end is near. Amen. That's what the whole parable, in a nutshell, warning us of. I'm leaving you my house. I'm leaving you my authority. I'm leaving you my work. And I'm warning you not to fall asleep. Because I'm coming back off this far journey. It's going to be a reckoning day. I'm going to hold you accountable to the condition of my house. If you enforce my law, my word, if you've done my work, he don't expect the house, the kingdom, the work to cease or to fall apart in his absence. He left us in charge of it. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful, sir. Enter in. Hallelujah. Stand with me all over the house tonight. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I do understand there's coming a day. We call it the rapture of the church, the catching away of the saints, the return of our Savior for his bride. There's coming a day, Lord, we're going to be caught up together in the clouds with those who have died in the Lord. They're going to be raised first incorruptible. We're going to be changed and raised with them. Oh, God, I understand that there's going to be the judgment seat. Every man's going to give an account of himself before God of the deeds done in his body, whether of good or of evil. All of our works will be tried as by fire. Nevertheless, we'll be saved. God, even, at, even knowing that I'm saved, 
I want something. I want something to lay at your feet. I, I, I want to know, Lord, that I didn't just make it in by the skin of my teeth and all my works were burned up and I had nothing to show for your glorious gift of salvation, your wondrous, marvelous grace and mercy that was bestowed unto me. I want to lay something at the feet of my Savior. Lest I be one that dug a hole and hid his talent in the earth and God in be in jeopardy of missing out altogether. Help me, O oh God, to esteem your, your house. God, to be of the utmost priority in my life. It matters to me, O oh God, the shape and the condition of your church, of your people. It matters to me, O oh God, Lord, to preach this word of God with power. God, to instill faith in your people to enforce the word of God and the kingdom of God in a world of lawlessness and recklessness, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would anoint us to do the work of God. Hallelujah. To carry forth this gospel, to do the work of an evangelist, to make full proof of our ministry. God, to be actively engaged and involved in the mission field God, to find an outreach somewhere, somehow, to reach somebody, let my hands work and labor for this kingdom of God. Lord, help me, spiritually speaking, not to go to sleep, not to fall asleep at my post, but to be a good porter and to watch. Lord, for I feel you coming is near, coming is soon. I want to be ready should you come at the midnight hour. want my lamp trimmed and burning, full of oil. God, prepare us, I pray, for that day. And we'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you meet me in this altar tonight? Let's ask God to help us to be good stewards of his house, of his word and of his work. And it will be sober, we'll be vigilant, we'll be alert, we'll be on guard, we'll be watching and ready when the Lord returns. Thank you, Jesus.